All right, good morning, everyone. I volunteered myself to be the guy that got us started on time this morning. That was a mistake. Oh, we're only <laughs> two minutes late, Ray. Two minutes late, okay. Uh, the, that's going to come out of my evaluation. I know this right now. <laughs> uh, we're going to start out with a reading of God's Word this morning, so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please turn with me to the book of First Peter. The book of First Peter. And I'm going to read the entire chapter, First Peter chapter 1. And I know when we sing and worship God through music, um, we all stand together, and I'd like us all to stand this morning for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that you have now that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God." Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, 
Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning just humbly admitting, God, that for one, we were unworthy, and that is why by your great gift of grace and your grace alone that saved us by giving us of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, it is the good news that comes to us through your living word, and we recognize, God, it is not by any works that we can do, but you save us to good works that we are to be obedient, that we are repent of our sin and continually live in repentance, forsaking the things of this world and clinging to faith in you, God. And we know that you hold us. And we just confess, Father, also that we lack the strength to affect change in people's lives, affected in their hearts. But yet, God, you use us, and through willing and clean vessels, you will... Bring the word through us, and I pray that we are faithful to it. God, that we divide it rightly, and we thank you that you are so faithful to us, and that you are good, and that you are holy, and that you are just. And I pray that you would guide us into your truth this morning, as we've just read, that this gospel message to us is something that has been done by you and completed by you. And there's nothing that we add to it, Lord. We just simply want to proclaim it in its truth and its clarity. And God, we just uh, bring ourselves before you and humble ourselves at your feet. Thank you for being our sovereign Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Owen, for the reading, the prayer. And uh, thank you for the music, the worship uh, music today. And then, Jesus, thank you for teaching the children this morning, <laughs> the children of God, right? That's right. I wasn't lying. You thought I was messing around there, huh? <laughs> so anyways, uh, thank you for that. Uh, just a real quick before we go into our, our service, um, if there are any men out there who would like to learn to teach or begin teaching the children, we have some spaces available. Um, and I appreciate Jesus, Stephen, and I know Barry, um, myself, Phil, and and um, Owen have been doing that, but we do have some slots available if you're interested, come by and see me. You know, we'll have a discussion, and then we'll see if we can put you on that list. But uh, again, one of the beauties about that is that you never know what's going to come at you. It could be a off-the-wall question. It could be a real deep question, and it's humbling. Or maybe they don't show up, and now you have to teach to the congregation. So being able to learn to adapt and things like that, it's a good spot to learn and to begin to grow in in, in and teaching, so we won't we won't let you fail. So, if you're interested in that, come out and see us. Um, the next thing is, well, I think Barry was passing out passing out the vision and values and Owen earlier. But everybody have one of those. Okay, if you don't have one, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. I think we're good, right? Okay, good, good, good. So we printed that up so you could follow along with us, and then also you can take notes. Feel free to challenge us. Right, this is a. These are the words of man trying to um, put together a simple um, guardrail, guardrail through God's word, and I'll go through that in a minute. And uh, you know, 
well, I won't go into the details in, in some of this because I'm going to talk about them. But again, challenge us. That's what it's there for. Make sure that we are, uh, you know, hold us accountable as we've talked about the Bereans multiple times. And then also in, in one of the Thessalonians, second, I think Second Thessalonians 5.21, the Bible tells us to test all things. So make sure uh, that you test us and that's what we want. We want some faithful studiers of God's word. So before we begin... Um, I just want to uh, say this was a, uh, as Owen mentioned the uh, last couple times, right, doing a, uh, not going to the scriptures directly and, and doing expository preaching is different. I have not done a topical in so long that my mind struggled with this. And it was, so it was really interesting to see this, right? And so even at the kitchen table, even at the living room um, um, couch when we're uh, instructing when we're talking to people discipling there's always some form of expository preaching right you go through a section of verses and you're explaining the points of the lord and then um, um you're done right but now we've been kind of challenged to bring this topical me- message which there's nothing wrong with it right as long as we are submissive to the authority of scripture as was preached last week and is it one of the fundamentals of not just a vision and value, but is one of the fundamentals of Christianity, right? That authority of Scripture. So thank you, Owen, for speaking to that. And um, so today we're going to continue our study in the vision of values of Carlsbad Bible Church, okay? Uh, our vision is how we believe the Lord is guiding us today as pastor elders to lead the flock, Okay, which is you guys today and each other. Hold each other accountable. We are not immune to this. This is not just for the sheep, um, but it is for we are sheep and part of the greater picture. Okay, These are all principles taken from Scripture and compiled into a vision for our church, for Carlsbad Bible Church. So as we grow and move forward, it is important to know the direction the Lord wants us to go as part of the universal church in Carlsbad, New Mexico, okay? There is not just one church that belongs to God, physical church, right? It is the universal church, and we are part of that, okay? And so that's very important, because if not, you begin to get into legalism and all these other things, but you must understand that the true church is Christ's universal church, and we are privileged to be part, a small slither of what that of that body of Christ, okay? The universal church. So this is our calling as Carlsbad Bible Church, okay? These vision and values. Um, <clears throat> but with that said, we must remember that Christ is the head, okay? We, as one part of the universal church, are one body, but with many members. There are others, right? There are other churches that we seek to. There, I know I have other pastoral friends that I seek advice. I'll go to Owen or Barry on advice about something. We will, um, uh, we will complement each other. Okay, so we are to function as one system, working together as a symbiotic organism, okay? Intertwined with each other as the Spirit moves forward with the unfolding drama of redemption. There's a bigger picture of this, okay? Um, in the church, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, in the church, there are a variety of ministries, but only one Lord. And in the church, there are a variety of workers, but the same God who works 
everything and everyone. And then, but to each one of us, the Holy Spirit has given us gifts to make profitable the church. If your gifts that you think you have are not being profitable to the church, then they're probably not a gift that you should be exercising, or maybe they're not a gift at all. But again, every gift is going to be profitable to the current day church. This universal church we're talking about, it will be profitable to it. So we believe that God is guiding us through our vision and values to play a part in the bigger picture of the universal church, to express our gifts through the cause by the Bible church as the Spirit works in us to grow the flock forward with these truths, the Scripture. We are to be imitators of Christ. As was mentioned last week, our truth is found in the authority of Scripture. Okay, I think Owen mentioned one of the five solas, which is sola scriptura, which is Scripture alone. The vision and values are guardrails to guide the flock on what we believe the Lord wants us to focus on, but our consciences are bound to Scripture alone. So again, that's why we want you to test this stuff this uh, vision and values in front of you, just in case we may miss the prize slightly. But evaluate it. So as we go through this, think of this. Our vision is, so Christ is the head of the church, right? The foundation was laid by the apostles, the pillars, or Christ is the cornerstone. The, found, the teaching of the apostles are the pillars, right? Now imagine in this building a family sitting at the kitchen table, Inside this building, there's a kitchen, there's a, a, a table, a dinner table, and you have a father there and the wife next to him and the children around him listening and watching, and the father is instructing them and training them in the ways of the Lord, okay? This should be a familiar picture for us men, okay? This is, should not be a foreign thought. But within the foundation, those cornerstones, this father is molding and guiding his children and the way he knows best around that foundation and around these pillars, okay? And, and uh, submitting himself under Christ. Well, that's what these vision and values are for us to you. It is that picture at the dinner table within the foundations and the teachings of the apostles and Christ as the foundation. And this is what we're doing with you. Sometimes as fathers, we may miss it. But when we see the truth in our error, we should go back and correct it. And so that's what we want, and that's what we're dedicated to doing with the church here at Carlsbad Bible Church, okay? So think about that. Um, so our, our vision, as was read, um, <clears throat> so our vision, if you look at that paper in front of you, our vision is that we exist to glorify God as a Christ-centered church who is faithfully committed to a high view of God Okay, and his word through expository preaching while equipping the saints to advance the cause of Christ both in our community and around the world. So that is what we'll do. That is what our mission is. As Owen mentioned a couple weeks ago, if we veer off, then we expect to be held accountable. If there's a ministry brought to us, then we need to evaluate it through this because we feel that God and the universal church is guiding us to play this part in discipling his people, his sheep. So as was mentioned before, we will use our vision and values to hold us accountable to what we believe our calling as a church is. 
The first pillar that Owen talked about was, or value, was the authority of Scripture. Okay, we reviewed this last week. Um, if we don't get that one right, then the rest of what we'll discuss today won't matter. Okay, there has to be an ultimate authority so that our opinions and emotions do not become that authority. So now today, if you look at your sheet there, the second value or pillar is one being gospel-centered. I mean, it is on being gospel-centered. So today I've been assigned this topic, which I'll hopefully do my best to represent it, right? And so let's read it. So it says, We value the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is His greatest work. Therefore, we are committed to proclaim the gospel, which offers life to unbelievers and security to believers. Our services will display the gospel through our singing and preaching of the word. Our church community will reflect the glory of Christ as we love, worship, disciple, and focus on the mission of the gospel. We will train our people to be mission-minded as they live their everyday lives so that Christ is seen through them by the outside world. The gospel is what creates the true church. It sustains the true church. It separates the, the true from the false churches, and it produces eternal change. Therefore, we will defend it. We will share it. We will suffer for it. We will not be ashamed of it. We will preach it and guard it until the return of our Lord. Man, what a challenge, right? I think we bit off more than we can handle there, Owen. <laughs> Very. <laughs> no, but it, again, the authority of Scripture and now the gospel centeredness of Christ in all that we do okay so there is so much to be said here so I'm going to just graze over these topics I'm going to maintain the traditional expository style even though this is not scripture I'm going to try to go through each one of these and talk about them briefly it's important that we understand why they are here and uh, why we pin them down and so we will start out with the value of the gospel of Jesus, we value the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? So in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, you don't have to go there, I'll read it for right now. It says, for God whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his son. So this is the gospel of Christ. And it says, is my witness as to how without ceasing I make mention of you. And then we look at 2 Corinthians 2.12. It says, now when I came to Trous, for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, so the gospel of Christ again. First Thessalonians 3.2 says, And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker, in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. So the gospel is the gospel of Christ. It is the gospel of the triune God we'll see in a minute. In Luke chapter 2, the gospel is good tidings of great joy for all people. In the Old Testament, it was foretold in Isaiah chapters 41, 52, and 61. In Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us that it was preached to both the Old Testament and New Testament people. The gospel exhibits the grace of God in Acts 14 and chapter 20. The gospel reveals the glory of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And the gospel was preached to Abraham. Galatians 3.8 says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, 
proclaiming the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying that all nations will be blessed in you. It was then first was given to Abraham. It was given to the Jews first, Luke 24, then to the uh, Galatians, I mean the Gentiles in Galatians too. Okay? So the gospel is the gospel of Christ. Belongs to no other. There are counterfeits, and we'll get to in a little bit. But it's important. There's only one true gospel. And that's why everything must be gospel-centered. It must saturate everything we do from living at home to functioning as a body of believers. Now, the second point is because it is his greatest work, okay? Now, now let's turn to Titus. I want you to turn to Titus. <clears throat> Titus chapter 1. The greatest work of God is the gospel. So it says, Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the full knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, says, in the hope of eternal life, which the God who cannot lie promised from when? All eternity, okay? But the proper time manifested his word in preaching with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. I want to focus on that phrase from all eternity. This phrase does not refer to our time. This is not the human time, okay? How we understand time. This time from all eternity um, is different than the time created in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning is when time was created. God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's when time, as we know it today, was created. Here it says, from all eternity. It means before time began. As we said earlier, God revealed His plan of redemption to men of the Old Testament. The gospel was first proclaimed in Genesis. We saw that. And then, uh, so remember, this plan was made within the Godhead before anything was created. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit came up with the plan of redemption, okay, to glorify themselves, to glorify God. And then now, here we are today. We look at Hebrews 13.20. Look at this one as well. I won't have you go to much scripture. You can go back and listen to the message. But Hebrews 13, this concept is important to understand that God's greatest work was predetermined before time began. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, our Lord Jesus Christ. This covenant that the triune God made within himself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is now complete. The great work of God was conceived in eternity past. <clears throat> now, we fast forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we hear the voice of Paul reminding us of the completion of this great work. In fact, he's reminding the Corinthians because they are forgetting about the value, they're forgetting about the gospel. It's a secondary thing to them. So Paul is 
chewing them out. And in, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, he says, Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I proclaimed as good news to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you were saved. If you hold fast the word which I proclaim to you as good news, unless you believed for nothing. All right. For I delivered to you. <laughs> For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for the sins according to the scriptures. Okay? This covenant that was made in eternity past, we see him completing it here. He died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures again to defeat death okay so we see this great plan this great work that was conceived before eternity passed in eternity passed now taking place in our time the covenant made in eternity passed with the godhead was fulfilled in human time. And now we just wait for the Lord to return for His gift, the universal church which we speak of today. So because of that, it says, therefore we are committed to proclaim the gospel. We look at Romans 1.13. It says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may have some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. In this way, for my part, verse 15, he says, this is Paul, he says, I am eager to proclaim the gospel to you, also who are, also those who are in Rome. Then he goes on to say in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous will live by faith. So we too, like Paul, want to have the same eagerness to proclaim the gospel, not just in words, but in our everyday living. We're also commanded to make disciples, but the only way you can be a disciple is to have first responded to the message of the gospel. And if we do not have the right message of the gospel, then your work is in vain. It must be correct. And because of that, if it's correct, it offers life to unbelievers. If it's not correct, it will not offer life to unbelievers. If we look at 2 Timothy 1.10, turn there in your Bibles, 2 Timothy 1.10, so it's more of a Bible study than it is, uh, you know, your expository style, but <clears throat> we'll be flipping a lot. 2 Timothy 1.10, it says, but now has been manifested by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Brought life and <clears throat> immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and teacher. Okay? Church. 
If you have been regenerated, you should understand the depth of, of sin, the sin we came from, right? If you are a Christian and you look back at your life, you understand, you, you, you understand even today that you struggle with the temptations, with sin. So you should understand this gospel, this life. We were dead in our sins. We were enemies of God. But now we have been brought to life through the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You know, what a blessing it is to be on this side of the cross. We can look back and see what Christ has done. But to be before the cross, to look forward to this hope, now we know that it's happened. We know that God is faithful to his word. And now this plan of redemption has come to unfold through the resurrection of Christ. The unbelievers. The gospel offers life to unbelievers. We should have a passion for them. We should teach. We should preach. We should always live our lives so that way people are drawn to God through the gospel-centered life. Next, we see the security to the believers, this gospel-centeredness. So let's, let's take a look real quick at John chapter 10, verse 22 through 30. John chapter 10, verse 22 through 30. It says, at the time, I want to read a little before to get to context, get us some context. At that time, the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us openly. Jesus answered to them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do my father's na- in my Father's name, these bear witness to me. He said, if you would pay attention to the miracles, signs, wonders, and miracles that I'm doing, you would know that I come from the Father, right? Verse 26, he says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Then he says, and I give eternal life to them. And he says, and they will never perish, ever. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Okay, he's talking about his true sheep. He's talking about this universal church. The people who belong to God. No one can snatch them. Even, even uh, Satan went up to God and challenged them about Job, and Job passed the test. Everything that happened to him, and yet he was faithful. He, he persevered through it all. So remember, the eternal covenant, which we discussed earlier, that was made before time, this was part of that deal. Christ would come and die on the cross, and the Father gives the Son a flock of sheep. This flock can never be removed from the hand of the Son or the Father because no one is greater, says Christ. Therefore, if you are truly saved, then we are secure in Christ. Not because of what we have done, but because we were a gift from the Father to the Son. There is no sin we can commit 
that would cause the Father to open his hand so that we could be snatched up. Can you imagine? I would have been snatched up probably an hour after I got saved, maybe seconds, with the sinfulness of the mind, the sinfulness of our actions. If I would have sinned, or if I was to sin and God opened his arms, his hand to be snatched up, none of us would be saved. Or we would lose our salvation if that was even possible. Because God the Father holds us, then nobody can open it. Then we look at John 17, 2. This is another beautiful passage. John 17, 2, in the high priestly prayer that Jesus prays. <clears throat> it says, that to all whom you have given me, he prays to the Father that he gives them eternal life. So the same context, the same sheep, the same people that God, this universal church, the bride, that God has given to the Father, I mean the Father has given to the Son, he prays that he gives them also eternal life. If we continue further in chapter 17 and this prayer, we go look down to verse 20. Okay, look a little, about 18 verses down. In verse 20, Christ was praying for the disciples now to be sanctified in truth. Okay, these are the disciples, the 12, except for one. He then goes on to say, he says, I do not ask only be on behalf of those alone so that eternality or that, uh, um, that eternal life that God wants to give, Christ wants to give to them. He says, not only for them, it says, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Okay? Their word is the foundation of the church. The foundation that God has given them through inspiration, and now us today are benefiting off that word. So for those also who believe in me through their word. We are those who believe through their word this church we are secure in Christ if you are genuinely saved again this is a high level big picture I want you to understand this covenant I'm not here to debate any other item um, but that God made a deal with himself he made a covenant and you see this interaction the father gives the son this people and he holds this group of people to show him that he was committed just like Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to show us that he would come back for us. When we got saved, the Holy Spirit was placed into us as a promise ring that he would come back for his bride. And this, in a sense, is the same type of example we see between the Father and the Son. So we see that the gospel of Christ is the foundation of it all. This is God's greatest work, and Satan knows it as well. There are many false religions that he has spawned out there. Some created here in America, some created across the sea. But Christ, I mean uh, Satan, is faithful to his job. And he's good at what he does. And within those religions, there is a false gospel. If we get this wrong too, just like the authority of Scripture, then we are not serving God, the God of the Bible. We have to be dogmatic about the gospel because this is what uh, our souls depend on and the souls of others. The foundation of our church, if the gospel is wrong, then it is all in vain. Who wants to be the Matthew 7, right? Where we go up to Christ and we say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things in your name? 
We preached your word. We even did signs, wonders, and miracles. And Christ's like, I don't even know who you are. Man, what a disappointment. We do not want to be that group of people. It is important. And that's why here at Carlsbad Bible Church, we will preach the true gospel. Because not only our souls are at stake, but your souls as well. And those that you talk to, and those that you live out your life for, at work, at home, on your own, to sanctify yourself as you study and, and read God's word and sing a music that is ingrained with this truth. That is important. We must be dogmatic about this. If we look at Matthew 24, there's a warning here. There's a warning in Matthew 24. It says, Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, it says, Don't believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders. You get that? They will be doing signs and wonders. Don't think that everything you see on television, everything you see in the modern day church, are of God. God says they're going to be doing these things, signs and wonders, so as to deceive you. That's the whole purpose of this. This is a false gospel and is done to try to trick us. Then Christ says here, if it is possible, even the elect. It cannot deceive the true universal church. Can it infiltrate it? Can it um, stain it? Probably because of us. It says, behold, I have told you in advance. Therefore, if they say to you, behold, he is in the wilderness. Do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and appears even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay? So there is that warning. The next warning we see is in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1. He says, I marvel that you are so quick, as one six, I'm sorry. Galatians 1, verse 6. And this is Paul upset again at the Galatian church. Peter's in the background supporting them, and he is frustrated. He is heated up. He says, I marvel that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Church, Satan is at work. There is a different gospel which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to the gospel we have proclaimed to you, let him be accursed or an anathema, okay? Let him be accursed. This is like the the worst of worst of curses. This is the fullest Curse, let him be accursed. As we have said before, I say again now, if any man is proclaiming to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, let him be accursed. He says it twice. If God's word says it once, it's important. If he says it twice, it's really important, right? Verily, verily, I say unto you, Christ says throughout the gospels, But here, Paul repeats it twice. Truly, truly. 
It's important, the warning here, there is no other gospel but the one true gospel, which we are dedicated to here at the church. So, all right. This next section is a little bit different perspective, kind of changes gears a little bit. It's more the internal church. But we see here, our services will display the gospel through our singing and preaching of the word. We as a church have taken the position that anything sung or spoken about in front of the congregation is a form of instructing God's truth. I've been here at Carlsbad Bible Church for about four years, and I've watched this statement be true. I have watched Stephen as the worship guider, leader, manager, however you want to look at him. I've seen this change over time. I've seen God's word mold his heart and begin to be convicted about the things that maybe they were singing in the past. And now I see that every song that is preached is a careful examination of the words and scripture. I myself am a, am bear witness to this. They were already doing expository preaching before I got here, but you heard the testimony of the church and how it began in a home Bible study due to a challenge of expository preaching. And that is what we see today. Our services will display the gospel through our singing and preaching of the word because the gospel is intertwined throughout all of Scripture. It is his love story to us. So we have to be submissive to it. We have to teach it. So our services will display the gospel through our singing and preaching of the word. We as a church, again, like I said, have taken this position and we will move forward that way. Um, whether it's the singing of songs, teaching of the children, as you saw earlier, or preaching it, it must all be tested and reflect the truth of God's word. As shepherds of the flock, we are to protect it and feed it. Okay, We, as the um, pastor elders, are to protect the flock that God has given to Carlsbad Bible Church. <clears throat> the next point here is our church community will reflect the glory of Christ as we love, as we worship, as we disciple, and focus on the mission of the gospel. <clears throat> if we look at 1 Timothy 1.13, remember 1 Timothy is a, a letter written to the church leaders. So I kind of take this as a, Tim talking to us directly as the pastor elders of the Carlsbad Bible Church. 1 Timothy 1.13. It says, hold to the standard. What is the standard? It is God's word, right? Hold to the standard of sound words which you have heard from me, okay? In the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. We are held accountable as leaders to hold the standard of God's word up to you. When we are obedient to God's word, we glorify him to the fullest. So this is a challenge to us that we hold God's standard high, God's word high to you. We are called to be of one mind so that way we can glorify God, we can glorify Christ. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it. Romans 15, 5, it says, Now may the God of perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, 
according to Christ Jesus. So that when, I mean, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our church community is to reflect the glory of Christ together as one mind. Our example to others around us, right? Both saved and unsaved. We should be an example to those around us, saved and unsaved, so that we can glorify God in our lives. If we look at Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light shine before men, not the saved or the unsaved. It says, Men, in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So that they may see your good works. Are you the same person at work? Like you are at home in the church on Sunday mornings? It's important. We want to saturate your minds as caused by the Bible church with God's truth that no matter where you go, you will always reflect God's truth. And not only that, that you'll have a desire to go home and study God's truth because you're being challenged. It's important. This is just a tool. But your relationship with God will determine on how you manage it at home. The church is not designed to train up the children. The church is not designed to take the place of the father or the mother. The church is designed to equip the saints so that you can go out and live a life to draw people to Christ. And we'll get to that in two lessons later. Very important. All right, the next section here says, we will train our people to be mission-minded as they live their everyday lives so that Christ is seen through them by the outside world. We kind of touched on that on Matthew 5.16. So if we put others before us, we will always seek to glorify God. When God's pure word is saturated in our minds, everything is a mission field. Okay, When God is saturated in your mind, His word, it's a mission field because you have no choice. When God's word is saturated in your mind, you become like Christ. You you begin to think like Christ. You begin to hate sin because God hates sin. Okay? You have no choice. So everything is a mission filled when your mind is saturated with God's word. We begin to live a life, I mean, we begin to live a life directed and guided by the Holy Spirit through the truth of God's word. And when this happens, you will become mission minded. Not because it's a calling. We're talking here about your mind is so saturated that you have no choice to speak as Christ spoke. In scenarios, in situations, you will give biblical wisdom, biblical counsel, not because you are great, but because the word that is saturated in you is great. That's why. And you have learned it. As I mentioned earlier, as I mentioned earlier, we are to be the salt and light of the world. We need to have a desire for the souls of others. So not only outside of the church, but in the church, right? There are those that may be struggling and could use a few words of encouragement. That's why it's important for you to go out, invite somebody to your home, invite somebody out to lunch. You never know what's going on in their life. The body of Christ needs each other. This is not just for the world. Trust me. We have been working with a few families recently. And this is important. We must be mission-minded, not just outside of the church, 
but in the church. We need to encourage each other. We need to carry each other's burdens as Galatians 6 speaks to. And if you don't know what those are, then you're probably not being invitable. You need to be mission-minded. There are people within the church that need other believers. I know when I was in Houston, um, I was going through a time in my life where I felt the church that I love so much disappointed me. It let me down. The people in the church, right, the body of Christ, they let me down. I began to let it eat at me. I began to change my heart began to harden. I did not disqualify myself or fall into sin except for the disobedience of God in being having fellowship with believers. It began to affect my family the way I was teaching them. And it was not good. And at the moment of my life when I needed the body more, it wasn't there. I had just transferred and I was by myself. I could not find a good church or men that I could trust. I didn't reach out to the old friends because Christians aren't supposed to go through these things right but no I've learned as I matured that we need these things we need accountability we need to speak up and when somebody entrusts you with these personal private matters we need to not gossip about it we need to take it seriously very important we must be mission minded not just outside of the church, but in the church. The gospel is what creates the true church. It sustains the true church. We see this in our next point. The gospel is what creates the church. It sustains the true church. It separates the true from the false churches, and it provides eternal change. So after the resurrection of Christ, the church was conceived, okay, which Christ is the head. With the true gospel, there can be no true church. Um, or maybe I said that wrong. Which is the head of, which? Yeah, with the true gospel, there can be yeah, yeah, yeah there can be no false church. <laughs> Anything outside of what is just a oh yeah, so I get where I was going with that. Yeah, so there, um, Christ is the head, and there is only one true gospel, right? And that true gospel belongs to the true church. If there is any other gospel out there, and you are part of that church you're just in a place where you're idol worshiping okay that is not a church that is not part of god's universal church is a house of idol worship worshiping something that is not true something that creates a false gospel false salvation and one day you will wake up in a place that you thought you would never be if the true gospel is being taught, then we will never need to worry about being false, right? It will always be true. But because of this, we need to make sure false prophets and or doctrines are not being taught in the church. Once we begin to compromise, it turns into a slippery slope downhill, right? Some of you have been Christians for many years. You can look back. Some of these people we've probably used to look up to. Some of these people that we may have uh, done Bible studies on or used their material to help us out as young Christians, maybe listen to the sermons, we can go look back at some of these men and see how they've gone astray, how they've compromised, and how they've taken, uh, you know, numbers are important to them, or feelings are important to them, or culture is important to them. Unacceptable. We do not, we hold firm, and that's what we're dedicated to here at Carlsbad Bible Church. We will not, we will resist to go down the slippery slope. 
Okay, we will not do it. Another point here, which is our last. It says, therefore, we will defend it. We will share it. We will suffer for it. We will not be ashamed of it. We will preach it and guard it until the return of our Lord. We must defend the gospel. I think Jude 3 says, which uh, there was once and for all delivered to the saints. We are the saints. God's word was delivered to us. Okay? So we, we should defend it. We should share it with others because we know the truths and the value that it brings, the eternal life that, being, that can be given. We should suffer for it. In today's world, that is a high possibility. I mean, it could be even today's world that within a few years, the church has to go underground, right? We don't know. But I feel during that time, a lot of these false churches we were talking about earlier, they will either submit to the authority of the land or they will disappear. We saw some of these disappear even during COVID, a small sample. These churches don't exist anymore. But we will suffer for the truth, okay? We will suffer for the gospel, and will not be ashamed of it. Have you ever put, found yourself in a position where you're speaking to somebody and you feel drawn to give them the gospel or to speak God's truth to them? Then you walk away and you're like, oh man, I should have said something. You live with this guilt, right? I've been there. But as we begin to saturate our minds and our hearts with God's word, then it will drive us to not be ashamed of it. We see the Apostle Paul the great leader, great example, you know, under Christ, who we see this um, aggressive protection of the gospel, even if it means that we have to protect it from each other, right? One of the things I tell my children as they begin to date or as they begin to talk to um, the opposite sex, right, these emotions come up and I tell them, look, my job is to protect you even from yourself. I'm not worried about the other people. I'm worried about that you will compromise. So my job will be sometimes even to protect you from yourself. Do not compromise. Same here. Do not compromise. Once we begin to compromise, we go down that slippery slope. So we must not be ashamed of it. We should preach it. Are you telling it to others verbally and or by the way you live your life? Are they seeing you and saying, man, I've been around that person for two, three years now and... That is a great example of a Christian. Or are you just a typical C? That's why I don't, that's why I don't um, serve God because you have hypocrites like that. Don't be that person. Preach it not through ver- words, but also through your life. And then we are supposed to guard it until the return of the Lord. There's a pastor that I, has been an impact in my life, but I remember him giving a speech one time that he came into, you know, the ministry thinking, man, we know we're going to protect doctrine, we're going to protect, you know, uh, the church. And over the last 50 plus years, he spent his, pretty much his full ministry defending the gospel. Especially now, it's getting worse and worse and worse. The gospel is at stake here. The truth is at stake here. And we must not submit. So again, Let's go to Mark 8. Well, I'll read it to you so you don't have to go. This is the last section here, or last verse I'll read. This is Mark 8, verse 34 through 38. 
It says, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What a warning, right? What a warning. So let's read this one more time. Look at your sheet there. So we value the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is his greatest work. Therefore, we are committed to proclaim the gospel which offers life to unbelievers and security to believers. Our services will display the gospel through our singing and preaching of the word. Our church community will reflect the glory of Christ as we love, worship, disciple, and focus on the mission of the gospel. We will train our people to be mission-minded as they live their everyday life so that Christ is seen through them by the outside world. The gospel is what creates the true church. It sustains the true church. It separates the true from the false churches, and it produces eternal change. Therefore, we will defend it, share it, suffer for it, not be ashamed of it, preach it, and guard it until the return of our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the challenge today, Lord, of being gospel-centered, Lord, as a church in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder of salvation of the gospel. We kind of touched on many things, Lord, and just grazed through it all. This is just but a small example. Each one of these topics, Lord, you know can be taught for, for months. But the gospel is so rich, Lord. I pray, Lord, that our, our lives are centered with the gospel. I pray that our church is centered in the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you protect us from error. Help us to never go down the slippery slope, Lord, to never compromise. Help us to be faithful to you, Lord. No matter if there's only one person in the audience, we must be faithful to you. I pray, Lord, that you hold us accountable. We would rather have the doors close than preaching a false message, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We love you for what you've done for us. I pray that you mold us through your word as we continue to live out our lives. Help us to have opportunities, Lord. Help us to, to have uh, um, just um, a worship with each other, Lord. Help us to, to get involved in each other's lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We love you for all that you do. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen.